that it's overwhelming being an adult. I mean, when we look at what millennials are faced with in terms of economic challenges, underemployment and unemployment, high student loan debt, these are things that weren't significant in my upbringing. Staying motivated takes work. If you don't work on your motivation, you become unmotivated. Join Umar Jang as he shares inspirational stories and tips to get you motivated to do whatever you need to do. This is the Motivational Voice Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Motivational Voice Podcast. This is session number 28. I hope that you are safe and that you are doing well. Are you finding ways to stay positive? Because that's important, right? It's important to stay healthy, especially with everything that's happening around us. The responsibilities, uh, the stressors, all the negative news and everything that's happening around us. So it's important for you to make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Take a break. Step away from the things that bring stress in your life, even if it's just for a short moment. If you don't take care of yourself, who will? No one, right? So take care of yourself. Go easy on yourself, be kind to yourself, and take time to rest and recharge. It's important to do that because you need to balance all those stressors, work and responsibilities, family, children, relationships, with just finding a moment to yourself, being able to relax, and even if it's a very short moment, one minute, five minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever you need to do to break away and be present in the moment and then just Give that time to yourself. Reward yourself, okay? By the way, don't forget to review the podcast and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps more people discover the show and benefit from its message of motivation, positivity, and resilience. I really appreciate your support. And of course, if you have already done that, I appreciate you. Thank you very much for doing that. Okay, let's shift to today's episode. My guest today is Asha Tari. Asha shares some useful tips and insight on today's episode and particularly on how to make the transition into adulthood. Asha is a psychotherapist, an author, a mental health advocate, and a certified coach. She joins me today to talk about adulting and the transition to adulthood, particularly for millennials. So if you are a millennial or you know someone who is a millennial or you are in a relationship or some kind of connection with a millennial, this episode is going to be very insightful and very interesting for you. All right, so let's listen to my interview with Asha. Asha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thanks for being here. Would you take a minute and just introduce yourself and tell our listeners who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I'm Asha Tari. I'm a certified life coach, a psychotherapist, and an author, and I help clients in my coaching practice to design a life lived on purpose that they love. And with my psychotherapy practice, I particularly work with millennial adults who have a trauma history and subsequent depression or anxiety. And I work with them to become more mindful so that they can help heal themselves through navigating the world in a more mindful awareness. And with that, we do some cognitive behavioral work. We do a lot of breath work. Um, and then my new book, Adulting as a Millennial, A Guide to Everything Your Parents Didn't Teach You, is also about 
the work I've done on myself to transform my life and then the work that I've begun doing with other clients as well to help them to navigate those difficult spaces as adults. And um, I'm really excited to be able to spread the messages of how I transform myself and how I've other, helped others to do the same across the world. Absolutely. That's actually a good segue. What brought you to, to write this book? Mostly because I attract a lot of millennials and 98% of the work that I do in coaching and counseling is with millennials. And I knew that there were more people that I could touch, but couldn't humanly touch through individual or group work, at least not as yet. And I wanted to create something that was a navigational tool that people could literally carry with them every day because there's so many gems in the book that you could really read again and again and get something new every time from it. So I wanted to, one, have something that would allow people to be able to do a self-study and to use as a guide to help them to live with less anxiety and less imposter syndrome by using some of the anecdotes of my own life and work um, as a way to introduce these concepts of mindfulness, tenacity, integrity. And now it's blossoming into partnerships with other organizations and into this new life coaching group I've started with um, clients of African descent who will be adulting as a millennial through my life coaching program. So I wanted to be able to help mostly the next generation under me, because I'm on the cusp of a millennial and a, a generation Xer, to be more present, to live, you know, with purpose like they want to, but to do so in a way that's meaningful, which is something that they often talk about, millennials, but also intentional. And some of that is being present to your own challenges and your own hangups about who you are in the world and who you believe other people to be. And so I wanted to be able to help people to get out of their way, out of their head and get into now. And this book helps them to do that. I know there's been a lot of talk lately in the media, people talking about the, the topic of adulting. What does adulting really mean? Mm -hmm. It's a term that's been coined by millennials. And when I first heard it, it was very off-putting too, because I had never heard the term until maybe five years ago and wondered, what is this thing that you guys are talking about all the time when you say you need a break from adulting? Um, because I'd never heard of breaking from your adult life, right? right. I, I think of being an adult and enjoying life. And I think what comes along with that definitely is play, but the intentionality of being an adult, which for me means being responsible to yourself and to others, having integrity, doing what you say you will do, committing to your commitments, things that I talk about in the book. And this word adulting, which millennials coin, being you know, close to 10 years ago, honestly, but it's become more prominent now in our jargon, is really the word of what living life as an adult really means. And for them, it's a lot of misunderstanding, misunderstanding the world, I think, misunderstanding how they should be in the world. And when people talk about taking a break from it, what I think they're really saying is that it's overwhelming being an adult. I mean, when we look at what millennials are faced with in terms of economic challenges, underemployment and unemployment, high student loan debt. These are things that weren't significant in my upbringing or my adulthood um, or my post-college years uh, that often. So when I listen to them speak and I hear these stressors, which again goes back to adulting, I think about the ways in which they're trying to figure things out, live pre 
present to themselves, do things that are purposeful, um, but also at the same time, there's an undercurrent of stress, anxiety, depression, um, discomfort in who they are and what they identify with. And so adulting is really the concept of all of these different clusters of signs and symptoms around challenges in life as an adult trying to be who you are in a world that's moving really fast. And sometimes you honestly need a break from that. If someone is listening and they are transitioning, let's say, from from being, from being from stepping into adulthood specifically, what are some of those things that they need to be aware of? It really varies person to person and based on your, your background, your social background, your economic background, your cultural background. I work with a lot of um, adults who are um, immigrated children of immigrant families. And so there are a whole set of issues that are very uh, unique to those clients. But then I also work with a lot of American clients as well who don't have those same challenges. So I think it depends on the cultural background. It depends on the belief belief systems, if those are entrenched in religion or spirituality, um, and also the social economical, the social economic uh, perspective as well, because depending on how you were socialized, gendered, um, what was around you in your environment that sort of conditioned you to become who you are, those factors play a, a big piece to how you see yourself, um, the things that you think people expect of you, and how you determine what the difference is between those two. So um, I would say most importantly, it's a dance between the more experienced adults and the upcoming adults to work closer together so that we can impart the older people some a way that is critical um, in a deconstructive way, but in a constructive way so that we don't tell younger adults what to do, but we help them to think more analytically by asking questions, by being curious about them as young as childhood so that they understand the importance of looking inward, right, as opposed to outward, um, deciding for themselves what matters to them so that they can develop their own value system, and then understanding the interplay between being independent and being interdependent with other people who care about you and how to carry that over in other relationships. So I would say, you know, if you're a senile right now or you're an early millennial and even a middle-aged millennial, it's not too late to find mentors, to go to adults even outside of your family that you trust to talk to about what what things you're dealing with mentally or socially um, or what fears you may have about the future or even get guidance on maybe some career paths you'd be interested in taking. So take risk, ask a lot of questions, be curious, but also look for support from people who are more experienced than you. And for, from a more practical standpoint for in terms of skills, skills that you need to have to, to be able to be a successful adult, what would be the best way for someone to go about doing that? Is it taking classes? Is it uh, maybe being vulnerable and then asking for help? What would be generally the best approach for, because I'm sure there are people who we are not necessarily taught how to become, become an adult. I feel like for most people, you go from, from school, you go from college, you graduate, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in that gray area where you don't know where to turn. What, what kind of advice would you give to those people as to where they should start 
first or what skills they should get to be ready for adulthood? I really appreciate that question. This is so serendipitous because I talked about it two days ago on my social media platform. Mm. We aren't taught how to become adults. It's not something you learn in school. I do see that as potentially changing because at least here in the States, um, there's a move towards K through 12th graders getting uh, mental health education. And I think that's fantastic. And that's only started in two or three States. So it's not even across all 50 States yet, but there are some really important elements that I talk about in my book, adulting as a millennial that speak to this subject, which are, we may not be able to get everything from our parents. There's no possible way we're going to get everything that we want to get from them or need from them because they're people too. They're people with their own lives and careers and hobbies and interests. And until you understand that, you only think of your parents as like the providers, right? And the suppliers for money or housing. Um, And in some ways, what we really see in terms of the work that I do is that a lot of young people Yes, they need those basic things, but what they're really missing is the immaterial things. So attention, uh, ways to self-soothe when they're distressed, uh, the ability to look inward as opposed to outward for validation. So absolutely the things that you mentioned are valuable in terms of classes and seminars and books. I would also say don't overindulge in in self-development. Self-development work is valuable, but the more you read and read and read, sometimes the more information you take in and it becomes too complex and too over um, loading and not enough time off from just trying to study to be able to see like which lane do you really fit in? Do you listen to more podcasters that talk about self-help and self-care? Do you read self-help books and then apply the tools from that? Do you go to a seminar on emotional intelligence? I think you should go where your interests are. Um, I think you should also have somewhat of a variety, but try to find a niche, first of all, that you are intrigued by. So if it's learning more about emotional intelligence, which a lot of my South African clients are talking about now, then learn more about emotional intelligence and then see how you can apply that skill in other areas of your life. So you may find that through online courses and you may find that through a book or two and then take that information and don't just hold on to it, but then have conversations with other people to see what people are talking about and what they grasp from it. And then look for people who have worked on themselves to also give you some guidance. So start there, be interested, look for support um, and seek out help through the people who are already in your life. A lot of times we go too far to try to pay for a service, which is important, but sometimes it's like, an advisor right there in our family that we don't tap into that would love to mentor us. Um, See if there's someone there you could start with. And then if you don't see that, then go on places like LinkedIn and look up people who are doing some of the things that you're interested in doing, do some research and then send them an inbox uh, note and say like, Hey, I'm whoever I'm in, I am introduce yourself, tell them what, you know, maybe your challenges are personally or professionally, say that you found them where you did and what you were intrigued by. 
and ask them if they could take a little bit of time, maybe 15 minutes out of their day, to set up a little conversational session with you around maybe some ideas of what you want to be specifically mentored in. It might be confidence or assertion. It might be in gaining or building a new skill. And if they are open to it, they will reach back out to you because you're specific about what you're looking for. And you're not just, you know, asking them to tell you what you need. You're coming to them with what you need. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You can learn a lot from from reading and, and from taking courses. And I know lately there's been a, it seems an explosion in online learning related specifically to adulting. So it seems everywhere you turn, there's a new adulting course. And, <laughs> and I think that's a good thing. I'm, I'm a firm believer that you need, personal development is, is important. You need to learn the skills you need to better yourself. But there's a there's also something to be said for making mistakes and just trying things on your own and being vulnerable enough to to ask for help when you need it, and certainly doing trial trial and error to to live your life, and that that becomes true when especially when you get married and now you're in a relationship and you have children, you know that first child, a lot of it you figure out on your own, mm-hmm. and but. Uh, what are some of the common themes that you hear from across across millennials in terms of, you know, I wish I knew this. I wish someone told me this before I, I started to you know, transition into adulthood. It piggybacks off of what you just spoke to, which is there's a lot of adults that believe they should know everything now. Like you live 20 plus years and now you're an expert on life. Right. And because again, it goes back to, looking to external factors for validation, people then use social media and the internet to strengthen the myths about life that they have built or they've been told to have, and it increases their low self-esteem, ironically, because they see a picture, they read a caption, people are smiling, looking joyful and succeeding at whatever goals they've set for themselves. But a lot of times people don't share on social media the years they put into getting to that place or the reality of how often they have succeeded versus failed. And that has created a culture around um, fraud, around imposter syndrome, because People are not being honest enough and is continuing to perpetuate these signs of success that seem microwavable. So when I hear millennials talk, I hear of this rapid response to gaining or acquiring something that they think they can master. And yet I often say to them, People that you may look up to or see on social media, especially the ones that have a little bit of age behind them, trust me, they didn't get there overnight. Even the ones who are millennials that started maybe in their teens or at 20 and then 25 or 26, they really started to boom on Instagram or TikTok. I said, you should really you know, investigate and ask the questions of how long did it take you to get to where you are, where you, can got, where you got paid sponsorships or you were able to master something with yoga because when you miss that piece you assume a lot about what other people have done to get to where they are instead of understanding that everything takes time and you should not know everything the best master is always a student 
craft. So just as I'm 20 years in my profession and six years into my craft as a certified life coach, I still am learning every day from my clients because people change, their needs change, the world changes as we see. And so that means you will always have to adapt, but take your time, pace yourself, be willing to be a student and not try to be a master at something all the time. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, microwavable knowledge. <laughs> so that was an interesting term. Uh, yeah. And for, are there any, any differences that you notice between, as you move between communities, the, the African community, the African-American community, and then just the, in the U.S. versus other, other cultures and minorities that you work with? In terms of their perspectives or yeah, something else? Of, yes, this perspective on, on, on adulting in general, on, on life. Well, I, I want to say that I'm still getting to know African adults because I spent a lot of time with African um, generation Xers and little children mm-hmm. for a big part of my career. And I don't want to offend anyone, but I am highly impressed by my South Africans um, because I just see, I see a hunger in learning that I haven't seen in a long time in the U.S. Um, most of my clients, though, in the U.S. that I counsel or coach, I would say 98% right now are people of African descent. So that means I work with a lot of Afro-Latinos, Afro-Caribbeans, um, African first immigrants, and then 2% are Caucasians. And most of those clients, almost all of those clients are professionals. And so they've either gone to school and been out working in the world for maybe at least four to 10 years, depending on if they're a younger millennial or a middle-aged millennial. And they have a lot of anxiety because they're also in that group that's using social media to validate their experiences in life. But when I put things forward, or I talk to my colleagues who are coaches about things that we're offering people, even free information we give away, I don't see the type of response in terms of, I want that, I'd like to get to know you, I want to connect, I want to build a mutually beneficial relationship. I think the U.S. has this entitled kind of air to the people here that they think like folks would just normally give away stuff for free, so that's not special or they don't value information the way that I think people in other countries do where it's, it's limited or it's restricted. So when I put up that I was going to offer this four week free coaching program for uh, people of African descent, and the only contention was just to get the book because it's the foundational tool to the program. My inbox flooded with kids from South Africa, Cameroon, Nigeria, because they were so hungry for information, so hungry for guidance and leadership. And that really inspired me because I love South Africa. It's one of my favorite countries on earth. And I know some of the history of the people there and the rebellion history that started with teenagers. And so I just still see that fervor alive in Africans that I think has waned in the U.S. even when it comes to protesting. There are a lot of people of African descent that are protesting here in America, but even the waves of how that, that goes high and then it, it like drifts off as mm-hmm. opposed to some of you know Africans that I know of and the history of Africans in other countries from the Congo to uh, Central Africa to South Africa and Southern Africa. It just, it's more 
pervasive and it's more, I think, uh, strong. And so when I put information out, they're like, oh my gosh, I absolutely want that. Please email me. Let me know where I can contact you. I've been looking for something like this. And I just see a kind of hunger I just adore. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, very interesting perspective on that. It's difficult to talk about anything, anything nowadays without mentioning our current situation. By that, I mean COVID-19, the coronavirus that's affecting everything. How has changed your, your coaching approach or your perspective on, on just how you connect with, with these different communities? Well, it's grown. Um, I'm so grateful. I don't know why this happens to me, but I'm so grateful that the 20-year career I have in mental health always had me near or on the cutting line of work, the cutting edge of work. And 15 plus, yeah, maybe 15 years ago, 10 years ago, no, 15 years ago, I was working for a home care agency that was doing telemedicine back then. So this idea of telehealth and telemental health which people are still getting familiar with now in the States is really not new to me. So I started doing remote work with clients a couple of years ago, I think it was. And I was on Zoom a couple of years ago. So now that these things seem to be very um, fragile in some ways in terms of people feeling like it's a little bit too much working online, looking online, searching for work online. I was already doing that many years ago. I was promoting myself, marketing my services all digitally. And that then brought clients into my office. But even three or four, yeah, four years ago, I got my first coaching client who was an expat in India um, that found me through a Google search. And my community on Twitter, they grew organically all around the world because Twitter was everywhere. So now that I've been dealing with COVID, I would say it hasn't changed as much. If anything, it's made the response faster because everybody's online all day. So when I put something out, depending on the channel on which I use, which I use mostly LinkedIn for my professional work nowadays, um, the response is much more rapid. So it's been a great um, time for me because I don't know if I would have been looking for clients in other places, but now I have clients in South Africa. I have a new client I signed on today that's in the UK. Um, and she's also of African descent. She's Ugandan. So it's just like people from the continent are attracted to me. I'm attracted to them. And they're online. They're online late. They're online when I'm in bed because of the time difference. And it's really just helped grow my business exponentially. Yeah, interesting. It's interesting how out of challenges, sometimes you have opportunities that, that spring up and for those who who know to see it as an opportunity, they generally are the ones that tend to jump on it or or take advantage of it and not see it as necessarily a, a nuisance or something bad. Now, not at all. now uh, this is a question that I that I'm that I tend to ask to to everyone who comes on the podcast. What what motivates you? I'm motivated by people who are willing to work on themselves. That's why I'm so specific about the kind of clients I want to work with and that I look to attract. If you're on the fence, if you have a, a lackluster attitude, if you are overly dependent on me to change your life, you're not the kind of client for me because I need people who are self-motivated and, and my role is to just help them take the veil off and see themselves in the mirror 
my role is to help people to get clear that they deserve to have a good life and they expect it um, and that their life will be used to mean something for other people. And so if that is you, then you're my ideal client. But if you're uh, a complainer, if you um, make a lot of excuses, if you're not willing to work on yourself, um, if you are a person who quits easily, that's not the thing that gets me up and going in the morning. So I'm motivated by that. I'm motivated by art. That's why I'm going to have to do a search soon to see if some of the museums have reopened because I really miss going to museums because going to museums inspires me, um, going to exhibits, traveling is another big thing that inspires me because when I go to other places in the world, I get to see what's different about America. I get to see what's valuable in other countries. Um, I also get to see how people live. Um, and in some ways, like I did when I went back home to Morocco, I got to see like, what's what's sort of like missing that I could help solve, right, as the problem. And so going away, sometimes I don't always know what I'm looking for and I don't always have an agenda. But when I'm there and I'm observing, it's sort of planting little seeds, little micro seeds in my brain. And then I come back home, usually over the next couple of months when I sit into myself and think about my trips, um, something evolves, I meet someone and universal energy just brings people into my life. And um, that keeps me motivated and inspired. So those things. You said, well, you said uh, when you go back home to Morocco, so where is home exactly in Morocco? Yeah, so my family's from Casablanca and um, my grandfather, who's deceased, used to uh, go back and forth between Morocco and New York, which is where I'm from. He was a uh, sheik and had a mosque um, that also had a large following here in America. Um, and so I, you know, still identify as part Moroccan and I feel very connected to the country. So I try to get there like every two years. It's a, I didn't know that. That's interesting. It's a, it's funny because I, through the podcast, I'm meeting a lot of people that have fascinating backgrounds and of course, fascinating professions. And the, the more I talk to, to people like you, the, the more <laughs> amazing I become in terms of it's a big world, but it's somehow we're somewhat interconnected. Uh, and uh, I say that because, as you know, I am originally from, from Senegal, West Africa. So uh, it, <laughs> it goes to, to, you know, it goes to show that uh, we are all a it's really a big village, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. That's why if you hear me talk, especially nowadays, I talk a lot about working with African people. Um, I'm just drawn right. to African people. I have worked with African people over the course of my career um, and, and Muslims also. And so I'm hoping that when I figure out where I want to go back to my activism as I get you know, a little further along that maybe I'll be able to work with Moroccan women or with Muslims, especially with mm -hmm. the, um, the um, things that are going on here culturally in America um, to cleanse this country, of, unfortunately, of Muslim people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm very connected to Africans on a whole other level um, than I am, I think, with anybody else. Yeah, no, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Now, as we, we start to wrap up here, what are some of the projects that you're working on? Thank you for asking that. So life has been really good amidst uh, this crisis that we're in, um, amid this crisis that we're in. And I have just launched the book, Adulting as a Millennial, A Guide to Everything Your Parents Didn't Teach You. So I'm starting to get lit reviews that are going out um, 
on social media and the internet and LinkedIn, for example. But I'm also looking to build out an entire annual program from this book. So I look to this time that we're in here in August of 2020 to stretch me through July of next year because we launched the book in July of this year to be able to have my membership-based coaching program, to do more speaking Mm -hmm. engagements, of course, to also offer a course in the near future on emotional intelligence using my book as a foundational tool like we go for the group. And that's something that will continue to carry me through for the next um, couple of seasons. We also have some great things coming down the pike that we're trying to keep under wraps with the book that will be available on my website. And I'll continue to do writing for my blog because that allows people to get a feel for my coaching. I offer a lot of free coaching there. Every Tuesday, the blog drops so people could just subscribe for free. They'll get an inbox every Tuesday morning. Um, And then I'm partnering with people to continue to bring mindfulness forward, especially with vulnerable communities. So I'm right now working with an organization called the Lee Thompson uh, Young Foundation. He was a young black actor here in America who unfortunately died by suicide some years ago. And we're doing some preventative care. So as of today, we started doing some Instagram lives and I'll be doing some recordings on mindfulness. And so I want to continue to do that. And also what I've been enjoying doing, which is writing. So I've been fortunate enough to write for some outlets and get my, my awesome. words out there. And that's important because that's creating the, the digital legacy that was very in, a much a part of my plan in terms of my coaching work. So I'm really satisfied. Yeah, no, that's great. I think it's important to to get your message out there, especially if you have something important and helpful that others can benefit from from that you, you, you can share. Now, mm-hmm. the book is, you mentioned that it's on your website. Where else can people get it? Yeah, so as of last week, the book is now also in the UK on Amazon. It's in South Africa on Amazon. Um, you can get the Kindle version on Amazon, so you can download it right to your tablet. And um, you can get it on my website if you want an autographed copy. So at lifecoachasha.com, we have a few more copies of the autographed copy there. And then we add some more special things about the book. It'll go on my website too, but people can go right to Amazon today and get a copy of the book in paperback or get the Kindle. That's awesome. You know, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes of the episode. Any, any final no- words before we wrap up? I would love people to know that they can contact me should they look for someone who specializes in what I do, which is Mm -hmm. mental health treatment and prevention um, or coaching as a prosperity life coach because I'm a master at living a life by design and um, manifesting. I've been manifesting since I was 12 years old. Everything I've ever wanted to do or wanted to achieve, I have since I was the age of 12. And I'm far from 12 now. <laughs> so if people want to live a very purposeful life, if they want to feel inspired and live a life that they love, please contact me. Reach out to me. I'd love to do more things like this, um, write for outlets and partner with people so that we can bring our message forward to lots more millennials and lots more adults who really need to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. That's awesome. Well, Asha, thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm sure the people will get a lot out of it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I had such a good time. That was my interview with Asha Tari. I hope you found it helpful. If so, let me know. Leave me a comment or email me or 
connect with me on social media. I am on Instagram and then all social media platforms, all major platforms anyway, because you can only be on so many of them. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at uh, O-D-I-E-N-G, that's O-D-I-E-N-G. And of course, I'm on Facebook as well. If you just look up uh, my name, Umar Chang, I will pop up. You can also get the show notes for this episode by going to my website, umarjang.com forward slash session 28. That's all together, session 28, to get the show notes for this episode. Thank you very much for spending your time with me today. I appreciate you. I am sending you good vibes wherever you are in the world. Until next time, please stay safe and motivated. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Motivational Voice Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. Get show notes and the latest blog post at omarjang.com. 